You're listening to the Matheson Employment Law Podcast, presented by Brian Dunn, Head of Matheson Employment Practice. This is a regular podcast series for HR practitioners, employment lawyers, and in-house counsel, focusing on the legal issues relevant to all companies with employees in Ireland. Hello and welcome. Today, I want to look at something completely different. And in this special episode, we're going to have a look at the new General Data Protection Regulation, which most of you will already know as the GDPR. A lot of you will have seen material written about this in a general sense and the changes involved. However, today I want to look specifically at what it means for you as representatives of large employers in Ireland, the kind of changes it's bringing your way and what you need to be doing over the next 12 months to get ready for this coming into effect at the end of May 2018. And to assist me with this, I've asked my partner, Anne-Marie Bone, to join us today. Anne-Marie is a partner in our technology and data protection practice. So, Anne-Marie, we already have quite a comprehensive data protection regime in place. So what I'd like to understand is what will these changes mean for employers in Ireland? You're right, Brian. There are many of the general principles under the existing rules that are going to continue once GDPR comes into effect. But what GDPR does is it, it in effect, recasts those principles into a concept of privacy by design and by default, which really means that privacy has to be embedded in processes and procedures and in the design of systems and operations from the outset. And you need to ensure that privacy is protected by default and that it's very difficult in effect to breach the rules. I think linked to that is a very great focus on transparency and accountability. So transparency relates both to communications with individuals, so the need for greater clarity around processing activities of both controllers and processors. But the end result really is that you need to be able to demonstrate compliance. So that's the accountability concept in GDPR, this concept that it is up to the controller of the data or the employer in this case to be able to demonstrate it has met the requirements. And those requirements are set out in a great deal more detail in GDPR than they have in the current rules. And there are new requirements, things like mandatory breach notifications, mandatory privacy impact assessments in some cases where there's high risk processing. And there's also the potential to have to appoint a data protection officer in some circumstances. But I think the real reason that people are focusing on GDPR to the extent they are is the changes in the sanctions regime. And there are going to be potentially really significant administrative sanctions resulting from breach of the rules in GDPR. So if there's an intentional or negligent breach of GDPR, employers could face fines of up to 20 million or 4% of global turnover, depending on the breach. So Anne-Marie, what do you think are the more specific changes that will impact on employers in particular? I think there are a number of different elements in GDPR which will have direct impact on employers in connection with their use of employment data. Firstly, I think we're aware that reliance on consent as a basis for justifying use of employee data is a difficult concept. And there's already guidance that indicates that employers should not rely on consent unless it's freely given and capable of being withdrawn. GDPR in some respects goes further and it talks about where there's a clear imbalance between a controller and an individual that consent should not be relied on and it specifically mentions the employment contract in that context. I should also mention that GDPR allows individual member states to introduce more restrictive rules in relation to use of employee data to ensure protection of that data. And there's going to be a particular emphasis in that regard on transparency, the issue of transfers within groups of undertakings and monitoring. Just a question on the issue of consent, and I I understand the logic that the data protection view is an employee isn't really in a genuine position to 
object. It's a David and Goliath type relationship. But when it comes to the example of senior executives who obviously are in a much better position to say no to their employer, is it the same rule there or are there any exceptions for particularly senior people? There are no exceptions for particularly senior people that are drawn out in GDPR. But I think you're right. In that situation, there may not be the same imbalance. And really, I think these rules are designed to protect employees who actually don't have an ability to genuinely give consent to a particular use. Okay. And on the other point you mentioned around the member states having the right to introduce even further levels of protection around this, has it been the history of the Irish Data Protection Commission or the Irish government in general to do that in the data protection area? No, we really don't have a history of gold plating in the data protection space. And in fact, heads of bill were published recently in relation to GDPR. There's no real indication in there that we're going to go down that route. They simply mention the fact that that option is open to Ireland. Okay, so to the extent that we can, we stick to the bare minimum of the directive or the regulation. Yes. Okay. Following on from that, if an employer can't rely on consent from an employee to process data, is it safe to assume that all the data processing that the employer might otherwise be doing can be justified on the basis of the employment relationship itself. I think employers need to be careful, Brian, on the extent to which they rely either on consent or on the employment contract. If they're relying on the employment contract to justify their processing or in data protection parlance to to legitimise their processing, Mm. then it really needs to be necessary for that contract. If the processing is not strictly necessary for the contract. So, for example, in terms of uh, monitoring employee internet usage or or electronic systems usage, they will then need to justify it on the basis of a legitimate purpose of the employer. And that needs to be balanced against the rights of the employee. So it's really a matter of looking at the justification for the processing, making sure that there is a legitimate ground, being transparent with employees as to what that ground is, and making sure that there isn't unnecessary or unjustifiable excessive use of personal data. So it's interesting in a data protection perspective that you would distinguish between processing payroll data, for example, as necessary and monitoring email usage as not necessary, whereas an employer obviously would see it as absolutely necessary to make sure an employee isn't breaching confidentiality or harassing their colleagues by sending in them inappropriate emails, etc. So if I can bring that concept so back into day-to-day HR practice. If we have an employer, and of course many employers rightly do, at the moment have policies in place to allow them monitor email usage and internet usage, what do these changes mean for those employers? Are those policies no longer valid? Do they have to start again from scratch? What does that mean for them? No, those policies will remain valid, but what it really means is looking at them again and making sure that they meet the transparency requirements under GDPR. So it's making clear that the basis for the processing is disclosed in those policies. And again, just refreshing them with employees and making sure that they are aware of the potential use. With data protection, it really all comes down to making sure you don't do anything that goes beyond the necessary purpose. So if you can justify and legitimise your processing on the basis that you have a duty of care to other employees, for example, and, and you need to ensure that there's no harassment going on, then that is valid. But you do need to weigh it against the rights of the individual that you are actually monitoring as well. So in a, in a practical sense, what it means is HR directors will need to take out their current policies, review them 
and perhaps just add in more detail as to why it is they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. And I think there are other transparency related rules that mean they should be reviewing those policies in any event. You need to very clearly let individuals know of their rights under GDPR. Existing rights are extended and clarified in some respects and there are one or two new rights which are introduced. So things like data access requests, the right to object to processing, the right to be forgotten, which is a right that has gotten a lot of attention due to some European Court of Justice cases. All of those rights need to actually be clearly set out in the procedures and the policies that are given to employees. Okay, so you've already covered a couple of the points that I wanted to talk to you about further. Uh, So let's leave with them in order. First of all, the data access rights. Yes. There are some changes there around the timetable, I think. There are. um, At the moment, there's a 40-day period within which to reply. That has actually been reduced to one month. Now, there is potential to extend that by a further two months if it is a particularly complex request or depending on the number of requests that are received. But really, the procedures around this need to be looked at to make sure that employers can meet those timelines. And does complex also mean there is simply a huge amount of data to be monitored and reviewed? It may do. We're at early stages in terms of guidance in relation to some of the GDPR concepts. So I think that employers will need to just monitor that. But complexity could be related to the nature of the records, how they're stored, whether there Mm. are old records that you need to pull up from old systems. So a variety of different factors could be taken into account. And in, in my experience of dealing with clients as they work through data access requests, it's more often than not that they're not able to complete the task within 40 days. Is it your expectation that under the new regime, the Data Protection Commissioner will be much stricter on that than has been the case to date? I think there'll be more focus on it, but I think that what employers will need to do is make sure that they start dealing with these very quickly and that if they genuinely cannot meet that 30-day requirement, that they keep the individual employee notified of that and that they're able to justify it to the Data Protection Commissioner. One of the fundamental concepts under GDPR is this concept of demonstrable compliance with the rules. So it really puts the onus on employers to be able to show they've done what they can to meet them. And is it still open to employers when they receive a data access request to write back to the employee to try and narrow the scope? Yes, it would be. Because very often what we find is the employee will simply look for everything. They won't think about narrowing the scope, but really they're only interested in a certain subset of data. So we would suggest to employers that they try and agree with the employee, we will exclude payroll data or data which shows what time they entered the building and left the building, which is irrelevant to the particular case they might be making. I think that that's a very sensible approach to take, Brian, and and that employers should continue to do that. Okay, but an employee is entitled to, to refuse that and say, no, I want everything. They have the right to access all of their personal data. Okay. So then the other point you mentioned was the right to be forgotten. Yes. So again, in a practical HR sense, let's say you have an employee who leaves an organisation and two years later sends in a request to be forgotten, so to speak. Does that mean the employer has to wipe all traces of that employee's history that they never existed? No, the the right to be forgotten doesn't arise. It's not an absolute right, so it doesn't arise in every case. So there are constraints around when an individual can look to have their data erased. Employers are going to be under legal obligations to keep records for certain periods of time and that will override the right to be forgotten. So another, I suppose, obvious HR question on the right to be forgotten is if an employee is still in the organisation but they had a disciplinary sanction issued against them and it's on the record but it now has expired, does that mean the employee can now request that that document be erased and forgotten? The right to be forgotten is not an absolute right so it only arises in certain circumstances 
in that specific circumstance, um, if the data is no longer necessary for the purpose for which it was collected, they may actually have a right to have that record removed. So there are certain exceptions such as compliance with legal obligations. So if there was some form of legal obligation to retain that information for a period of time, or if it was still required in connection with legal proceedings or to establish to defend legal claims, then there would be an ability to retain it. But ultimately, over a long period of time, there may well be a right to have that information taken off. Okay, so in a a more straightforward example where none of those exceptions exist and uh, there are no cases continuing relating to it, etc. It does seem like as a matter of data protection law, at least, that the employee would be entitled to have that removed. Now, there is some debate on the employment law side as to whether or not you actually have to remove the document from the file and forget that it ever existed, even if you can't rely on it anymore. But it's interesting the the clash between employment law and data protection law on, on that particular point. Certainly is. Uh, are there any other procedures then that employers need to consider or any, any other issues they need to be aware of as a result of these the, the new regulation? There's a greater focus on processing activities in general. So that, that falls into two buckets. One, internal processing activities and being clearer about those and having records. But secondly, if you're appointing a processor, so an external HR payroll provider, you will need to look at your contracts with those companies. There's a huge amount of additional detail in relation to what needs to go into a contract. And there are higher obligations on employers to make sure that the entities they appoint are appropriate, can meet all of the security obligations in particular and that they monitor them on an ongoing basis from a data protection perspective. And would that extend to allowing employees the right to ask an employer to show what compliance steps they're taking? I don't think it would go as far as that but again it it should be recorded somewhere that the employer has done all of that. So if there were to be proceedings where an employee was alleging that there was a breach and it involved somebody who was processing information on behalf of the employer Hmm. that could well be relevant to that. Okay it's something I see coming up from colleagues in other jurisdictions where data protection is even more rigidly enforced and employees are even more aware of the rights such as Germany and France and other continental jurisdictions where employees will go to great lengths to put their employer to the test to see what steps have you taken to protect my data. It's not something we see coming up here too often. No, but I think, again, there's an increasing level of knowledge of individual rights. And I think we will see employees looking to enforce those rights on on an increasing basis and to hold their their employers to account in relation to protecting their personal data. Okay, The impression I'm getting, Anne-Marie, from a lot of clients in relation to these changes is that they're taking the view it's more for technology clients to be worried about and it doesn't really impact on them as much. I think I know what you're going to say, but let's hear what you have to say anyway. Anyone who controls or processes personal data, which is data relating to individuals, needs to be aware of and to comply with GDPR. And on the point you raised earlier about having to recruit a data protection officer internally, at what level does that apply? The obligation to appoint a data protection officer won't apply in every case. So it really relates to certain types of processing. So very large scale processing involving special categories of data, which are currently known as the sensitive categories of data. Public sector would need to appoint data protection officers. The data protection officer role is quite an interesting role because it's an independent role in many respects. It's an advisory role. And what the organisation can't do is direct the data protection officer. The data protection officer also needs to report directly into the executive level and to the board of an organisation. 
So it is a very particular type of role and there are some protections in there in terms of dismissal of data protection officers as well. So they can't be dismissed as a result of performing their duties. If an organisation does not have to appoint a data protection officer, it can choose to do that. But employers need to just note that if they choose to appoint a data protection officer, they will be subject to all of the requirements under GDPR that apply to data protection officers. So you're actually inviting further scrutiny upon yourself by going the extra step when you don't have to. It's an interesting debate. You may view it as attracting additional scrutiny, but actually, if you go back to the concept of demonstrable compliance with GDPR, it may actually be something that helps you demonstrate compliance and and it may actually be something that helps to foster trust in an organisation. And do they have mandatory reporting obligations to the Data Protection Commissioner if they see something that isn't quite right? Interestingly, in terms of breach and security breach in particular, there are mandatory breach notification obligations on organisations, so on employers, if there's a risk arising from the breach. And that breach might be the kind of malware attack that we saw recently, or it may just be a mistake that somebody internally in the organisation makes. The employer may also have to notify the individual employees if there's a high risk to them arising from the breach. The data protection officer then will be involved in all of those breach notifications and should be involved in that process. So again, there may be a debate as to whether notifications need to be made. And if the data protection officer is recommending something and an organisation is not taking that recommendation, they need to really uh, record why they're not taking that recommendation and, and to be able to stand over it. But there's nothing specific that obliges a data protection officer to act as a spy, effectively, for the data protection commissioner or a whistleblower for the data protection commissioner. And there is no minimum level of employees after which an employer must have a data protection officer in place. It's not not how it works. No, that was the original approach which was taken in earlier drafts, but that has actually changed and they focused much more on the nature of the processing rather than on the number of employees. But it sounds like it's a significant enough obligation if you are within the the scope of that particular requirement and you have to hire one because presumably they are experienced professionals and there aren't too many of them so it will be an obvious additional cost. Absolutely and I think it's going to be challenging in the short term for organisations to find suitably qualified Mm. data protection officers purely because of of, of the number game um, but over time I think you'll find more people coming on stream who, who have those skill sets. Okay that's interesting and then one last question what advice would you give to employers at this point in time, 12 months before the regulation comes into effect, to get ready for compliance? I think they need to start looking at this now. They need to look at what their processes and procedures are around employee data, understand how they're managing that, whether they need all of that information, the basis upon which they are justifying their use of that information, and very specifically look at the types of notifications and policies that they share with their employees and make sure that they meet all of the transparency requirements. And in that regard, it sounds like it's going to be an exercise for both HR and the data protection people to work together to come up with whatever the appropriate wording is to explain the practice that you need to stand over. Absolutely. All of these GDPR projects that we're seeing are multidisciplinary. It does not sit with one individual or or with one discipline in, in particular. You do need to have HR, you need to have tech people involved, you need to have business and executives involved as well because ultimately there will be decisions to be made in relation to how the information is used. Okay. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie. To wrap up on all of that, as you know, what I always like to ask at the end of these podcasts is what does this mean for you as employers in Ireland? 
Well, first of all, clearly there are very significant changes coming down the track. As always, with any new changes, a lot will depend on how it's implemented or interpreted in practice, and we'll be watching this carefully over the next years to come. As Amory has already suggested, the best advice we can give to you as employers at this point, with 12 months left to go, is to immediately start looking at your policies and practices in the area of data protection to see what more you need to be doing. As always, we'll keep you updated on any new developments or lessons learned in this area. Thanks for listening to the Matheson Employment Law Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email brian, that's B-R-Y-A-N, dot done at matheson.com. This podcast contains general information about Irish law. It is not intended to provide legal advice on any particular matter and is for general information purposes only. You should not act or refrain from acting on the basis of any material contained in this podcast without seeking the appropriate legal or other professional advice. Tune in next time for another Matheson Employment Law podcast. For further information, visit matheson.com.